brings us to the uh, final issue of the Proteus storyline, uh, which is Uncanny X-Men number 128. Uh, Proteus tortures Moira and warps more and more of Edinburgh until eventually, uh, as his body is getting ready to disintegrate and he's preparing to possess Moira, uh, he, Colossus climbs up to the castle they're located at and attacks Proteus in human form. And once he's able to get close enough, he then changes to his metallic form and plunges his hands deep into, well, he, so he, as a, in his human form, he throws Joe, Joe McTaggart's body against the wall and it's so desiccated that it just falls apart. And so Proteus is left in his pure energy form. It's at that point Colossus gets in close, switches to his metal form, and plunges his hands deep into Proteus, dispersing him. Uh, after it's all said and done, you know, everybody sort of Every, we're making sure everybody's okay. Um, and uh, Sean consoles Moira. Um, because, you know, as, as much as she was over Joe McTaggart, she said that he's dead. Yeah. Uh, and as much as she lived in fear of her son, she loved him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, even though, even though, you know, the thing that I really like about the X-Men at this point in time is they're kind of a bumblefuck crew. <laughs> like, this is not this is not the this team when we see them later is very tightly knit and they know what they're doing um and as they go up against these big threats they may be outmatched but they're still they're an elite fighting unit but at this point in time like <laughs> their wins have not been easy and they've mostly been luck and just like a fortunate shot at the right time and stuff like that this is unequivocally a victory um they're reunited with gene uh and they have defeated proteus who was absolutely a danger to the world um proteus is i said it earlier proteus is a threat like yeah. he really and it, i think some of it comes from what you're talking about is like the team itself ain't great like they're cohesively they're fine right they're fine they're right. not currently bickering at each other all the time during this story anyway which is good but they're not exactly communicating well in order to get the pl- get or have any plan other than Cyclops is like, I'm pretty sure this is going to work. 
get your ass up there. I like the way this ends, like, because even I, as um, a reader, was looking at Peter um, climbing up the side of this castle and being like, what the fuck are you doing, pink and swishy? You know yeah. he's just going to take you, you dummy. And get out of... Uh, oh, duh. <laughs> like, I literally did do that. I was like, what are you doing? Get a good... What do you, why are you still in human form? It's so weird to see Colossus like that. And then he gets in close and I'm like, oh, right. Because I completely forgot. It was it was a really good bit of writing that I can attribute to, like, Cyclops' plan, right? Like, right. I really liked that at the end. Um, but Proteus is a threat because he's clearly insane. He feels... Like, at, he feels really, really dangerous in ways that we weren't getting before with X-Men. And, like, because I can't, I am not afraid, like, I wasn't reading this and being like, or reading the Living Monolith stories and being like, well, how are they going to get out of this one? Like, this one was like, I think they're, they might be fucked. Yeah. Uh, like, and if we were going, you know, in giant size, yeah, that's that's a scary situation, but like the bad guy in that was still just some dude, right? Who was, no, that was, uh, that was like X-Men 95, 96. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. Sorry. Giant size. It was Krakoa. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, 95, 96, um, is, and that's not just some dude that's Nefaria, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but still even Nefaria, I'm just like, yeah, you're probably going to beat Nefaria eventually. This is like a terrifying monster <laughs> that they're actually going to get their ass kicked. I, I like I like this story a lot. Um And I think I like it on its own terms and not just as a oh shit's about to get real good. I think I like this story. So yeah. Well, and I, the, you know, the thing, the thing about it is Proteus, Proteus is dangerous on many different levels. Mm -hmm. um, not only is he clearly a twisted individual, but... His power, when he uses his powers, people die. Mm -hmm. And even if he were not twisted, his are powers that any anti-mutant politician mm -hmm. could point to and say, this is a man who kills people by virtue of his existence. Um, so not only, not only is he a threat to the X-Men themselves, he is by his very nature, a threat to the promise of, uh, human and mutant coexistence. So, yeah, he, it's just, it's really good. Um, 
And I was the other thing I was going to say was that the end here before he's taken out, he's got Moira up on top of this castle uh, in Joe's body. And he's just like, he's laying into her. Like, you can tell. And she's just like, why don't, you know, this isn't what I wanted. This is not yeah. how I wanted this to go. You have to know that. And he's like, really? 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 Because I've been stuck in a cage for 15 years or whatever it is. It feels yeah. like that amount of time. It's been a while. I've been stuck in a hole for 15 years and it seems like you've forgotten me and you went out and got a whole bunch of other kids. Like, that. Yeah. how am I not supposed to take that? Yeah, fuck all of this. I have the power to destroy everything and you know what? I've never been given a reason not to. So let's go. And Le- I'm going to make the world feel even one iota yeah. of the pain I'm I've felt. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's great. Fuck yeah. It's good. Yeah. Um of course this is all sort of retroactively uh it's all kind of retroactively fucked up. Yeah. Um, (laughs) If you take this into, if you take house and powers into this, into this story, you go, well, your immediate thought, my immediate thought is if I try to take house and powers of X into account for like what this means, my first brain, my first thought is don't do that. Why did you do that? Don't do that. Uh, but meaning to me, don't, don't try to bring that in here because it makes things hurty. Um, it makes brain parts go boom, boom. Um, but like, I, (laughs) but like it's imagine having to do this over and 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 over again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, She pro- I think this is the only I think this is the only reality in which Moira has done this. Uh because, because in all the other realities she's tried to get away from this. Well, not only that, but we find out in House and Powers of X and the stuff immediately following uh her they compiled a list of human beings who genetically they could procreate with to create the sort of power sets that they needed. And so Xavier uh, hooking up with Gabriel Haller and uh, Moira hooking up with Joe McTaggart were intentionally designed to create the power sets that they were looking for in Legion and Proteus, specifically the ability to um, to alter reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's not had... I Based on that, I don't think she's necessarily... I think this is the only life she's lived where she's given birth to Proteus. Um, Now, even knowing that they did that intentionally, I don't think they planned on Proteus uh, 
resulting in the the specific powers mm-hmm. uh which is to say uh his being a vampire who has to jump from body to body to survive that was obviously not intentional um but yeah anyway moving on yeah i guess if you you have to i forgot that if you you have to look at all of these stories as moira's most recent life right yes that she's only decided I don't know, you to, cut up i'm sorry yeah you have to look at you have to look at all of these as moira's most most recent life and that she's only recently decided to involve anybody else in the process right okay fair enough yeah because you know i mean like she's she knows certain things to look out for she knows to look out for destiny um and things like that uh you know but this is this is the first one where things have played out in exactly this way um right okay so i don't know anyway uh yeah it's house and powers of x has really been a mixed bag um it's revitalized the x-men certainly um in that uh the x-men have been kind of suffering the last few years uh due to purposeful neglect um but yeah it's revitalized them in a big way uh but also it's it's introduced a lot of things that you're just kind of like yeah okay but how does that square with you know and so and so that's the thing and so like especially moira mctaggart you know so much of what she's wound up doing is so utterly recontextualized, you know, to like her not only being alive, but a mutant means her death from the legacy virus is super fucked up. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of, I don't know how to feel about Moira anymore, but whatever. Power Man and Iron Fist, number 58, has a cover by Bob Layton and John Costanza, written by Mary Jo Duffy, penciled by Trevor Von Eden, uh, inked by Dan Green, colored by George Russo, lettered by Diana Albers, and Gaspar Saladino, and edited by Roger Stern and Jim Salakrup. At a knockoff Studio 54, Luke and Danny encounter a new hero by the name of El Aguila, who is taking on all the right people. However, unfortunately, one of those people have the heroes on heroes for hire on retainer. So they wound up, they wind up having to protect the guy 
from El Aguila. But at the end, they're just kind of like, oh, but it's our quitting time. So bye. Bye. Um, El Aguila. I don't know. The, I like. The I don't know how to feel story. about. Do what? I like the I like the middle of this story where, so, El Aguila comes in and you know wrecks house and steals all this guy's money and the jewels off of the the ladies that he brought with him, and because he's a drug runner or a pusher of some kind, right? And, um, I like in the middle of this where normally both of them have like their different avenues of investigation like to find him and mm-hmm. with any other guy they'd just be like hey uh guy informant where is you know the bad the bad dude luke goes out and canvasses all his contacts on the streets and uh danny goes and does something danny's not that useful when it comes to investigation um but they, he, I like the fact that they go out and, st- or Luke goes out and starts trying to like, you know, pump people for information. They're all like, nah, I ain't telling you shit. Right. Like, no, come on. He's, he's a bad dude. No, he's not. He's be- beating up drug pushers and taking their money and uh slumlords and slumlords and... man fuck that guy or fuck that i tell you shit and it's just funny and because they come back all dejected not because they can't do their because they want to like help this guy almost but like right it's not their job fuck and finally yeah. he gets to the point where i i also like when um they're back at the penthouse or the office building and uh genie brings in the 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 landlord and uh he's like i know who you are fuck you get out and he's like oh you can't do that to me what do you mean i can't do that to you i'm luke cage get the fuck out and he's like no and genie's like no no you already took his money Ah, fuck! And he calls Jaren, who I forgot is based in Canada, um, because he just goes, call Canada! And uh, Jaren's like, no, yeah, you gotta go do it. He's like, Jaren, get your ass back here so I can kick it. Nah, I won't be doing that. Oh, Jaren. Jaren, you suck. Jaren sucks and I love it. I I had forgotten, later Jaren sucks and it's annoying. Right now, Jaren sucks and it's fun. Because he's yeah. like a thorn in their side. I, th- I think it's just great. Oh well. Yeah. Even even though he's ostensibly on their side, yeah, he's still just like constantly causing problems for them. Um. So yeah, uh, El Aguila doesn't really do much after this. Like after the I story. know, I know. At one point, he winds up depowered on M Day. Because he's a mutant. Um, And since then, not a lot. (laughs) Like, uh, and before that, not a lot. So. Well. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's nice to know that he didn't die in the desert. Like so many others. Sure. But anyway. uh, 
Power Man and Iron Fist number 59 has a cover by Bob Layton and Irving Watanabe and is inked by Al Gordon and lettered by Diane Albers, edited by Roger Stern. Danny takes Misty and Colleen to dinner at a swanky restaurant. Uh, during that, former IRA bomber Alan Cavanaugh shows up looking for the, the Halwani ambassador. Uh, when he's ex escorted out, a bomb then goes off. Luke shows up to get everybody out. Um, and once he does, Misty then accuses Alan of the bombing. Um, Misty. So here's the thing. Misty's shit is central to this storyline. Mm -hmm. uh, in as much as... She lost her arm to a bomb uh, because she was a cop in a bank. There was a bomb. She tried to throw it, but it went off in her hand. She lost her arm, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I am in no way excusing the IRA here. Do not, do not in any way think that I'm doing that. I will say there is a world of difference between a, an IRA bomber and a dude who takes a bomb into a bank. A dude who takes a bomb into a bank is purely uh, just there to steal money. That's it. Uh, an IRA bomber, whether you agree with them or not, you know, they... They were attempting to get rid of the English. Yeah. So, like, Misty Misty is sort of copy-pasting her feelings for the bummer who, who hurt her over to Alan Kavanaugh. Um, and yeah, like, he killed people. He, that's, that's unequivocally bad um but he's not the dude who blew off your arm i yeah i like misty's very very good character like mm -hmm. definition here because she she gets that pointed out to her several times not in though not that intricately but like yeah. both danny and then Scarfy are both like, you know, this isn't the same dude, right? And she's like, right. yeah, fuck him, though. And they're like, right, fuck him. Okay, agreed, murder bad, but different guy, though, right? Like, the way you're treating it is as though this is the same. She's like, so what? Fuck him. Are, uh, okay. Like, she will not get off that, which is, right. you know... Could be annoying, but really isn't. It makes sense for who she is. And it, yeah, I I enjoy that. And you know, Colleen is also like, "Hey, you know, partner, this, you know, this isn't this." And she's like, "I don't give a shit. Fuck it. Okay, that's that's fine." Um, and in fact, you know, she's like, "Not only that, keep defending him. Come on, let's let's ruin some relationships here." And Danny's like. All right, fair enough. I'll I'll back off, but yeah, I like I 
like her characterization because it's so solid, right? Whether or not yeah. I agree with her or not, that part doesn't matter. What it's it's solid. This is this is a character choice, and it's it's it it works really well. Not just because it informs the story, but it makes me go, how else does she do? This informs other decisions that she might make, right? Like, right. it does. I can see how she would react in other situations. It's it's just a good choice. Right. Um, meanwhile, yeah. Also, uh, Danny and Colleen go back to their or his apartment where he is attacked by one of the sons of the tiger. Uh, it turns out he's also an actor now. We're not reading Sons of the Tiger for or Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. Right. Clear reasons. Um, yeah. Pretty sure it's over at this point. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. Who cares? <laughs> um, I don't know. I Misty's trauma makes sense. Her reaction to said trauma makes sense. So I'm like, I'm on board yeah. in that regard. I'm I'm on board with her reaction to it all. I'm on board with the fact that she accuses Alan. Yeah. Um, because, you know, yeah, like, dude comes into a restaurant is shown the door and then immediately afterward the place explodes. Yeah. Like, yeah, I can see how she would make that connection. Um, but anyway. Uh, one last thing is I like at the be, or I think it's funny at the beginning when, uh, Danny's like, or or Jeannie, Jeannie comes in and is like, Hey Danny, you gotta, or no, it's Colleen that comes over and is like to the office and is like, Hey, we're going to be late. You got dinner reservations. Let's go. And uh, Luke's just standing there like, huh? Going to dinner. Huh? Yep. Yep. Cool. 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 I guess I'll see y'all later then. All right. They left. Damn. It's just like, it's got very friend in the room who's like, hey, I can come too. <laughs> energy. Yeah. And he's just, okay, I guess no. Fine. <laughs> bye bye <laughs> yeah uh so power man and iron fist uh number 60 has a cover by bob layton and marie severin is penciled by marie severin inked by steve Leoloa, colored by marie severin um after the bombing danny and luke are drawn into the fight between the hawani crown and these rebels alan kavanaugh uh, is held by police but then danny bails him out um and so he attempts to sacrifice himself to save the day uh fails to do so <laughs> but uh in the end like misty kind of gets over her objections to him um at least enough to save his life yeah. And enough to be like, okay, you weren't responsible for this bombing. <laughs> um, and he winds up joining the Peace Corps to sort of try and make up to some degree for all of the shit he's done in his life. Um, Misty and Danny reconcile 
after this whole thing and yeah uh what is with this thing in the center so after okay well i like the uh i like the scene at the beginning in the police station where everyone's like you know you can't like do this right and scarfy's like just chill okay i'm just gonna hold him because she's right this is enough for us to hold him overnight but you're you're right i i know it's not him um okay cool i i just like that scene it it establishes it but the thing that i want to know is after he's put on he's out of kavanaugh's out of jail and basically he gives him danny gives kavanaugh to luke and is like look after him and while they're wandering around looking for info, there's this guy in a pink suit who's giving Luke shit, and he just picks him up and puts him in a trash can, and that is all that is said. Yeah. And I have no idea what that is. It's a dude in a pink suit who gets put in a trash can. Okay. I There is no... Is this another elf? There is gun? no deeper. Yeah, I don't know. Like it largely just seems to be. Dude shoots his mouth off. Luke puts him in a garbage can. <laughs> it's just very bizarre. Oh yeah. Anyway, so that part confused me. Uh, yeah. I liked. Gadget. Is it gadget? Yeah. Him showing up and Luke showing up to Gabbage's shop and being like, hey, dude, give me some info. And he's like, no, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I I think I'm, I'm cool with how much of this book is Luke pounding streets and like yeah. getting info and like the way that he's connected to the city. I think that's cool. Um. Anyway. Yeah. So, Power Man and Iron Fist number 61 has a cover by Bob Layton and Irving Watanabe, penciled by Carrie Gamble, inked by Bruce Patterson, colored by George Russo, lettered by Joe Rosen, edited by Roger Stern and Jim Salakrup. Uh, Big Ben Donovan comes to Cage being chased by the Magia, who abduct both of them. Uh, Danny joins forces with Thunderbolt to find him. Uh, we get a, as I recall, it's a retread of Thunderbolt's origin. I may be wrong, but I'm fairly certain, uh, that that's yeah. the, that it's, we've covered this before. Yeah. Uh, he's in a, he's an assistant DA. His brother was killed. He fought against this gang called the Thunderbolts, blah, blah, blah. Uh, an assassin killed his brother uh, and then came after him. In doing so, they were struck by lightning. Thunderbolt survived and got speed powers. The assassin died. Uh, but the it turns out that the speed powers are rapidly aging him. Blah, blah, blah. Uh... That's kind of the issue. And yeah. It seems like a short one. 
Oh, and then the middle of all of this is uh, Colleen and Misty are running out of clients because uh, Iron Fist and Power Man are taking all of them. Yep. And so they make discussion that they have to take a job from a shady place. Oh, that might be next issue. Anyway. I think their decision to take the job is next issue, but whatever. Um, Power Man and Iron Fist number 62 has a cover by Cary Gamble and Bob Layton. Inked by Cary Gamble, colored by Glennis Ween, lettered by John Costanza, and edited by Denny O'Neill and Mark Grunewald. Danny and Thunderbolt track the Magia to a cemetery where it turns out Big Ben Donovan stole a bunch of drugs from the Magia and that he killed Thunderbolt's brother. They save Luke for, or Luke manages to save himself from being buried alive. Um, they bring down the Magia. Uh, Thunderbolt manages to take down Big Ben Donovan uh, and dies in front of his brother's grave, having brought his killer to justice. It's not yeah. bad. I like it's it's a decent enough issue um mm-hmm. in as much as like you know it, we've we've seen we've seen thunderbolt previously um but the um So it's nice to sort of see him get his story arc wrapped up. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that his, uh, his, the drawback to his powers is interesting. Um, and stuff like that. Beyond that, whatever. Um, This does have one page that is one of those, when you look at it, because I read this on Unlimited, and when I'm reading them, like, earlier in the week, I do the panel view so that it, you know, it moves around. And when we're going through them on the show, I've got them full page, and I... I didn't strike me as much when I wasn't looking at it full page, but um, it's a comics are good, actually, uh, feeling that I get from this page of Luke has broken his chains and he's clawing his way out of this grave and his hands. It's in Ben Donovan is, you know, ranting and raving about how he killed uh, Thunderbolts um, or had Thunderbolts brother killed and the hands Luke's hands are popping up out of the dirt or being shoved up through the earth and grab him by the legs because he's just grabbing at stuff um which gives Thunderbolt time to you know take him out but like the progression of both the rant and the impending doom like we know it's coming is it's a really it's really well done so yeah comics are good yeah um and I know, I know at some point there's another Thunderbolt, uh, 
William Carver never comes back at all. But, uh, but the, um, the persona gets picked up by somebody else, but they never really do anything. Uh, like it's not, um, it's not, it's not like one of those things where, you know, another character picks up the mantle and winds up going on to great things. Like, the second Thunderbolt winds up with even less of a career than William Carver did. Um, So, well done, I guess. I was going to say, I like, I don't remember which issue it was. Um, I think it was the previous one where... Uh, Danny stops Thunderbolt from doing something or they finally get to have a conversation and Danny's like oh crap I thought you were somebody else and uh, Carver's like yeah there are a lot of speedsters wearing red, gold and blue I get it I, it, was a poor, it was a poor choice I just thought that was funny as a, uh, a poking themselves for having done this again on accident right right uh so your, yeah, your speedsters in the modern era in the Marvel universe must wear blue and prefer gold. Yeah. And they oops so. themselves into that. Yeah. <coughs> anyway. Top 5? Top 5. The Watcher's Guide's Top 5. Uh, number five, Bruce Banner bussing tables. Just because that splash was hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's instantly recognizable that he should not be here. Um, right. I just thought it was a fun page. I'm sure it looked like whoever whoever that artist was had fun drawing it. Um, and putting Bruce Banner, brilliant physicist, brilliant biophysicist in... Um, bussing tables outfit is hilarious uh number four uh the professor gets a taste of his own attitude which uh we didn't really talk about but i like i like that because that's kind of the way he treats the the x-men sometimes is Mm -hmm. very oh you look at you you think you've got a good idea you can't do that and they're that's the other thing about these issues that's cool these issues of X-Men that's cool is no Professor X means they have to do all this there on their own even though Moira's there and can ostensibly act as surrogate mom they still need to do all of this on their own so mm-hmm. um number 3 and this goes is another thing that I noticed um it was basically a, a retread from what I said last week, which is the when she's phoenixed up, Jean has different speech bubbles and different lettering than when she's not, when she's just Jean. And it's it was a little touch and go, but I kind of figured out that what they decided was if she's actively using Phoenix Force powers, then her speech bubbles are 
uh, dark and squiggly and, and rough. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the lettering is good, too. So call out to letterers. Um, that is number three. Number two is uh, Jamie's clone getting possessed and how that affects him. Um, again, it's a little thing. They don't even ask, actually, like, talk about it too much except that he's real fucking broken up about it and that's neat um and then number one is proteus is a threat i just it's a really it him as proteus as the antagonist of that story points out a lot of different things not just that the X-Men can take on scarier and scarier villains and mutants, but that they're not all the way ready to do so. Um, and like you said, they're they're kind of a bumbling team at the moment. Not that they're not good with their own powers. I like that. It's that they're not 100% team ready yet, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's good. It's just good. Like having having your villain highlight flaws in your team dynamic is difficult. Like we don't we don't even see that a lot in Avengers recently, you know, in, in the reading that we've done. This is this is really good. So, I'm super yeah. excited about it. Um yeah. So that's my number 1. I'm done. Woo. Well, my uh my number five is uh, every woman wants be stick. Um, I really don't know why we stopped doing that, but yeah. whatever. Uh, number four is uh, Spider-Man is freaked out by Ghost Rider. Uh, and then my top three are all Proteus. Uh, number three, we didn't really talk about it. Well... Proteus is making his way to Edinburgh. He encounters uh, Jason Wingard and he attempts to jump into him and can't. Um, Now, as we'll find out later, um, we we will find out later that... um, Emma Emma Frost gave Mastermind a a thing that will sort of prevent him from showing up to Jean. She won't be able to read his mind and get a handle on what he's doing to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that this is subtly implied because Proteus cannot possess him is really well done on on Claremont's part. I think it. He could have just not had Proteus and Wingard encounter each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that he did and in the process subtly laid the groundwork for how Mastermind is doing this to her mm-hmm. uh, is, I think, really well done and is Something that I kind of feel like is missing from Claremont's later work. 
And part of that might be that Claremont is just never really given a chance to do that anymore. Because mm-hmm. um, at this point in time, you know, Claremont, Claremont is on X-Men and he has... He has the freedom to sort of do whatever he wants. Um, but also, he's going to be on X-Men for so long that he can kind of drop stuff in and pay it off properly and things like that. Whereas later on, he's brought in to do a story, and that's it. He he does the story, and then he's gone. Mm-hmm. And I really... I, I complain about the fact that Claremont kind of goes back to his greatest hits every time he's on X-Men. He brings in these characters that have already moved on and done other things or they're fucking dead or whatever. And he... It's annoying, but I think it's also a consequence of the fact that the way Claremont prefers to write is not served by the way Marvel now deploys him. Yeah. So I guess I'm sorry, Mr. Claremont for judging you for something that may not be your fault. Still though, I can't care about Psylocke the way you want me to. No. I can't care about Jim Jaspers or the Fury or like all of these characters that you clearly want me to give a shit about. I just can't. Anyway, number two, uh, Cyclops is fucking cold blooded, man. Uh, Like, you know, I know I know that. Knowing that Cyclops thinks this way is one thing, but having him come out and say like, yeah, your lives mean nothing in the face of stopping this guy. I will throw everything I can at him. And if you die, you die. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is fucking cold. And I get it. That's maybe what leadership requires, but fuck man. Um, and number one is Proteus. Proteus, Proteus is just a really good villain. So that's it. Anyway, uh, that is it for us this week. Join us next week when we'll be doing, of course, the Dark Phoenix saga, and then a little bit of Fantastic Four. Um, and that. That episode's going to be interesting because there is a lot to the Dark Phoenix saga. There really is. So that'll be fun. Uh, In the meantime, rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Email us at watchersguidegmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, both individually and at watchersguidemu. And visit our website at watchersguide.com where you can download episodes of the show and see all of the reading lists going back to the very first episode. Have a marvelous week. Bye.